Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Her Moment in History. I'm Grace. I'm Michelle. And this week our theme is musicians. Yes. Yes. Which is interesting because it can be very vague. It's very broad, yeah. Because, you know, you can have like composers, uh, orchestra people. Yeah. And singers. And what are they called? Instrumental. No. Oh, what are they called? They do like the drums and stuff. Musicians. Cushionists. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't quite sure whether you were like, you just wanted to go for somebody who is like just a musician or somebody, like anybody who did. Well, no one's just a musician. Well, no, but like I wasn't sure if you meant like <laughs> just played music or like was a singer. Mm. Yeah. I mean anything. Yeah, I hope so. It's always vague. Yeah, well, you say always, um, except from the artist one where you literally gave the web page and you were like, someone off this page. Yeah, that's because they're really interesting women. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who's going first this week? I feel like we should start preparing who goes first. Yeah, so we, we should. This issue. Yes. Do you want to go first? Because you seem really eager to speak about yours. I am. Yeah. Okay, I'll go first. Okay. You just convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> so my person is Jacqueline Dupre. Okay. She was a famous cellist. Interesting. And I urge everybody ever to listen to her playing the Algar Concerto. And there's like a recording of her playing it that they like broadcast on TV mm-hmm. and it's like incredible. You know there's like the one there's that one recording of Oh, I forget his name. He sings um, Nessun Dorma. Yeah. Pavarotti. Yeah. There's like one version of that where he's singing it in like LA. Yeah. And then that's like the most amazing like performance he's ever done in his life. And then this one is that. I feel like it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. So she was born in January 1945. Okay, cool. Which is in the middle of World War. Well, not in the middle, but like... World War Two was still going on then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure it ended later than January. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. Which, yeah. I mean, the fact that she was, like, born during it, if you know what I mean, it doesn't... Mm. She, she wouldn't have remembered it. Well, no. <laughs> but still. So, when she was four years old, she, she heard a sound on the radio that she very much liked. Did that sound the cello, by any chance? Yes. Yeah. And it's one of them stories where you just kind of like, mm, is this a bit too dramatised? Yeah. But apparently she said that she liked it so much that the, she asked her mother to get me the thing that made that sound. Whoa. And her mum, without any hesitation, <laughs> bought her like a full-size cello. Oh my God. Which was like so big that she had to stand up and wrap her arms around it. Just to be able yeah. to hold the instrument to play it. I feel like her parents are probably just like, this is going to be one of those things. We're going to get it because it'll be embarrassing for a while. And then... Actually, the parents are like musical as well. I suppose they were then quite excited that she'd chosen, mm-hmm. chosen her instrument. I mean, her mum said that she knew she was musical from like when she was like one. Because she before she could talk, she had like rhythm. I mean, and I she, mean... Babies do have rhythm, that's how you learn to talk. Yeah, and like she could sing in tune. Huh, okay. Which, I don't know. Yeah. For us, like, because we don't really like biographies. You are. Either of us. We don't really like biographies that much, but we are essentially doing a biographies podcast. <laughs> it's very I like odd. biographies. Sort of. I mean, I do, but like sometimes they're very problematic, and I will talk about one about this in a minute. What, something that's problematic? A biography about her. Oh, okay, fair enough. So she, she had, like, around about a 15-year career. Okay. When she was six, she went to the London Violoncello School. There's a specific school for that? Yeah, apparently. And, like, at the time, it was a common thing that that girls were taught to play the cello with, like, side saddle. Because it was improper for the cello to go in between the legs. For some reason, I had images of a, a, a woman, like, riding a horse, <laughs> side saddle, and just carrying a cello, trying to play it. But no, I understand what you mean now. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, because but the, why make it easy? Yeah, but the schools she went were against that. They were like... Good. But, like, because it's a signature, like, of her person. Like, she'd move around a lot when she was playing. Mm-hmm. And so she would have just sort of done that naturally, probably. Yeah, fair enough. Right, her mother <laughs> was a concert pianist, like, a former concert, pi- concert pianist. Mm-hmm. Before, like, she had Jacqueline. Yeah. She taught piano and she did eurythmic movement lessons in the family living room. What, like, the eurythmics? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm knowing what is that. The eurythmics, the, the um, oh, 80s um, singing group. I do, I do realise we're in the wrong era. It was, yes. It was a joke. Yeah. Um, really funny. Thank you very much. And uh, her father was... An assistant editor to the accountant magazine. Ooh. And they he was called Derek. They lived twenty miles south of London and she had two other siblings, a brother and a sister. Mm-hmm. Where was this, sorry? Is this the US? Oh no, this is in So I think the parents met in Poland. Oh, okay. And because the mother was there. She was studying Mm -hmm. in Poland and he had come on vacation Mm -hmm. and they met there and I I think they stayed there for a bit but then they did move to London in like the 40s. I mean, kind of makes sense if you don't mean to move out of Poland. That's true. Into, yeah. At age 10, (laughs) she began to study under the musician William Pleath mm-hmm. who he he taught her but without like killing her curiosity and enjoyment of it oh cool good which is I feel like a lot of music yeah. teachers do need mm-hmm. to do yes and she then like a year after this she won the famed award uh, called the Sugiya Gift Award and like she beat competitors that were like twice her age oh my god so she was very like a protege talented yeah, yeah. and he recommended her for that award mm-hmm. because he said that she was the most outstanding cellist and musical talent that I've ever met so far whoa that's a massive honour I know at 11 yeah and the prize covered six years of cello lessons, and then that's when she started to get an, an expanding audience mm-hmm. from that. But five weeks before she turned 16, she made her debut at the London's Wigmore Hall. Mm-hmm. And at that time, she'd already dropped out of school. Ooh. Because. As in, like, had she. I think her job had just now become completed. Yeah, okay, fair enough. The cello. I mean, when you go, I mean, this is, yeah, but I mean, you have, like, the actual like, set education system mm-hmm. in, like, the 50s kind of time. Yeah. When, if, like, she'd always gone to a music school, would that meant, like, the main focus that they were teaching her was music, but there would have also been her other lessons, like, maths and English and such, alongside of it? I, maybe. I do not know. <laughs> okay. That. Okay. So she was very popular quite quickly with the audiences mm-hmm. because she was like considered to represent the best of human abilities. Okay. Sort of like an Olympic athlete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the article that I was reading, it said the, the idea of a popular cellist is like oxymoronic, which... What? I mean... <laughs> you have like Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. Okay. Which, I mean, I think because we never really had, like, popular yeah. to this extent. Yeah. It isn't, it isn't an instrument that you would go into for fame. No. She had, like, a big appeal to the concert-going crowd. And so she married the, this Ar- Argentine-Israeli pianist called Daniel Bar- Barenboim. Mm-hmm. After six months of being together... I think she was quite early, but I'm not entirely sure. This weekend. <laughs> I don't what? Know what 
<laughs> she married him this weekend. Yeah, and I'm kidding. Go on. The age of her age. I'm not entirely sure of her age is what I was trying to say. Okay. <laughs> I got distracted. Yeah, I could tell. Uh, but she she converted to Judaism immediately, partly. Whoa! Like to be with him. Yeah. Amazing. For it was like partly a gesture of love, but it was also she would then be like accompanying many talented Jewish musicians at the time that she'd played with as well. She also managed to get into orchestras that typically like very elite mm-hmm. gang mm-hmm. of male musicians mm-hmm. and, and she's considered like the best. Oh my gosh. Do you have, like, because I know that you have different seats in an orchestra, don't you? Yes. And so I only specifically know about like violin. Mm-hmm. So you have like first seat. Yeah. Do you for the cello? I imagine like one so. cello. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Because you do for the flute and like tenor horn and Oh, is it just all instruments have yeah. like... Unless yeah. there's only one of that instrument. I didn't know if there was only one cello. Well, um, there's, I'm not sure if it's a British or American difference, mm-hmm. but because there's like, there'd be a solo violin and then first violin. Oh. But that's only if there's a solo part for the violin. Yeah, 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 of course. Kind of thing. Okay. But her best known for performance is of Elgar's Cello Concerto in E minor, which is the one I was talking about, mm-hmm. which it's so good. Like, just listen to it. It's like eight minutes long. It's in black and white. It's like the first thing that will come up on, on YouTube. But he wrote that poem as a, a war requiem in like 1919. Oh. And so she first performed it in 1965. Mm-hmm. And it, it will become one of her most popular recordings. Wow. Obviously. Because I know um, that, because um, obviously, like, you've been uh, sitting doing your research. Yeah. And. Uh, you, I, I, you can tell that like every five minutes you were like, I just want to play you the music without <laughs> you having any. I was like, no, you can't do that because I'll then know what you're going to be researching. You're like, no, no, just the music. I was like, no. Because they made a live concert recording of her playing this piece, mm-hmm. which was broadcast on TV, I think. Whoa. Um, on the BBC, maybe. Well, um, I, I mean, what year is this? 1960s. 60s, 70s, so it will be like the BBC. Her husband was either conducting it or playing as well I'm not not entirely sure so you know conductors yeah are conductors always musicians as well usually I think and is there like a certain thing you have to do to become a conductor like a do you have to train in that as well if there is I'm not aware of it okay because when I had music lessons Mm -hmm. they would teach me like conducting on and off well, but not really? like properly. It was Wait, sort so of you just can like, conduct? Pretty much, yeah. You kept that bloody quiet. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it seems like an obvious thing. I don't know. <laughs> well, because I remember I asked you, like, how many instruments can you actually play? And you, like, listed, like, too many. Um, you never mentioned the stick as well. The stick? The stick, the wavy stick. You're just insulting a lot of. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know music <laughs> if it's not obvious. They called a baton. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't know that. You're holding But there's, there's a quote of that they wrote about this recording. And she said that it it has a sense of nostalgia and yearning. Or yearning? Yeah, that's a word. Already present in, in the work and can take on a new dimension when considering... Like, this is a spoiler. Considering the debilitating illness that was just around the corner. Oh. Because she got... Multiple sclerosis, 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 yeah. When she was twenty-eight. <gasps> That's um, so young. You know, and it—I think it's what killed her. Oh, okay. It made a comment in the article that I was reading that a lot of the biographies about her focus on like amazing child prodigy. Prodigy. Mm-hmm. Like I can't speak today. And then like it turns into an illness narrative of like yeah. she had so much and now she's lost it all. Which like that did happen, but that's such a trope. It's, you need to separate, if you know yeah. what I mean? It's like she's not defined by the the music isn't defined by its outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when she was growing up, it was actually her sister who had who had the remarkable like musical talent. Ooh. Because she played, she started with the piano and then moved to the flute. Uh-huh. 
there's a lot of like friends from high school and stuff that have come out and said about the the sisters that because her body language was a big thing with her playing yeah it's like one of the big things she's known for she's like considered like floppy and yeah 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 eccentric and jerky and stuff it's this it said that her sister was even more like move, movements and she was like like a real snake charmer and stuff like that oh my gosh it's like uh, the sisters of um Heim Heim oh Heim. Yeah, yeah I was saying because like, obviously I can never remember her name but it's the the bass player's very very mm-hmm. movie yeah Karen but then obviously because there was like so much musical talent in the house there was a lot of rivalry yeah were all of them music because I know you said she had a ruler as well was he musically mm. inclined as well I'm or does it not say? Sure, actually. Her mother... Well, because her mother had given up her dreams to be... A mother? No, like, to be a concert pianist. Yeah, yeah. Because she had the children. Yeah, yeah, I say, she she gave up her dreams in order to oh, become right, a mother. Yeah. yeah. And, like, a lot of her schedule was, like, taking the girls to classes and mm-hmm. uh, competitions and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she... Her mother played as her accompanist for about 10 years mm-hmm. of her playing but then when she had her first debut her teacher hired someone called Ernest Lush mm-hmm. I've never heard of him before but might be significant <laughs> it's like not quite clear when like Jacqueline be- overcame Hillary yeah that's his sister's name yeah. if I haven't mentioned I, that you had um, it but I, I oh, okay. yeah <laughs> and then Hilary and Pierce, which is her brother and sister, uh-huh. wrote a book called A Genius in the Family, which basically made out Jacqueline to be not very nice. And, like, they yeah. called her depressed and manic and, and jealous. And it, they, it then became a film as well called Hilary and Jackie. Oh. It very much highlights her flaws. Mm-hmm. And Hilary is becomes a victim and hero of the, the right. story. But I suppose if she's writing like yeah. a narrative from the perception of being taken over, it's not going to pay yeah. her as anything other. Yeah. But she wrote it, though, about her own sister. Yeah. Which is not very nice. No. <laughs> but <laughs> it's making her out to be like the housewife who evaded misery with like a a more humble life with children and a husband but when the book come out a lot of her Jacqueline's colleagues defended her good because there was a lot of stuff that said she was selfish and manipulative and it I don't know if it was intended to like ruin her career but I don't think it did I was just saying because yeah her sister argued about the book that what happens to have caused offence is not too little truth but too much honesty which mm. kind of problematic yeah like I, I do get the fact that she would have been annoyed and that her kind of limelight was taken over but still it just seems a bit petty mm. very especially for like a fully grown woman yeah because I'm sure she would have been I mean, she was three years younger than Jackie, but... Oh, was she? she... I thought she was... I, from the, I was getting the impression she was the older sister. No. Oh, right. But the book did reveal an affair that happened between Jackie and Hillary's husband, who was Christopher Finzi, mm-hmm. which was, like, a menage a trois mm-hmm. that Hillary reluctantly consented to, mm. which... Uh, but that... Okay, carry on. But it's a constant thing that, like, trying to talk about her is a very, like, difficult subject. Like, all of the writings that about her are very, like, contrasting. Yeah. And, like, I watched a documentary that was talking about her, like, by people who knew her very well. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of like, she's just, like, no one you'll ever meet before. There's just something, like, aura about her that's just really like full of energy and you know she loves this kind of thing mm-hmm. and then they comment that like I know hearing this sounds awful but like there is no other way to explain her mm-hmm. it's just very strange because I feel like 
I don't know. Because it's like the whole romanticisation of people who died young. Yeah. Yeah. But then I do think she's very talented. Yeah. Though I'm just conflicted. And there's a lot of, like, controversial stuff about her relationship with music as well. Like, some people with, like, who she went to high school with, she, um, she also played the piano, no, p- the cello with Jacqueline. Her sister did? No, this friend from oh, right, high okay, school. Yeah. And she'd quit the cello, and she remembers Jacqueline saying, you're very lucky to do that, because I can't do that, because people spent too much money on me. Oh. Oh, I mean, it is young, you can only get into it, and then just have to continue it because you're good. It's like the expectation that because you're good at something, you must really enjoy it. Like, you must enjoy dedicating your life to it, and it's like, Mm -hmm. often that will then ruin your enjoyment of something. Yeah, I mean, Jacqueline herself said that she's always loved playing the piano and the cello Mm -hmm. and playing to people but she never wanted to do it every day and every hour of her life yeah 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 i can't think of anything like i enjoy doing that i'd want to do no every single day yeah but so when she was 26 she occasionally like lost the feelings in her hands Mm -hmm. which doctors like constantly dismissed as like stress and fatigue and hysteria and she like had psychoanalysis for it and obviously nothing happened from it so she left she stopped playing the cello for two years Mm -hmm. like publicly publicly and then she returned to do four concerts in 1973 Mm -hmm. which a lot of her fans thought was her comeback uh was it more like a parting um, she only made it through three of the concerts before leaving the stage forever. God, that was dramatic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but her final public performance, she played the Algar concerto. Oh, okay. Which makes me very happy because I love it. Mm-hmm. And at that, like when she was playing it, she had a lot of trouble just holding her bow and oh like opening her cello case. Yeah. And like she managed to play this final performance, even though she was, like, really, really struggling to just keep her bow in position. But, like, the audience, who didn't know about, like, that was going on with her, but they gave her a standing ovation. (gasps) Whoa! What a way to kind of go out. I know. But her husband talks about how they were going to doctors for, like, four and a half years, and they, the doctors couldn't agree on anything, and, like, they both knew something was wrong, like very wrong, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't name it. And then she was eventually diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Mm-hmm. So she then had to decide what she had to do with the rest of her life. Yeah. Which she said in an interview that it's hard to try to rebuild something that feels worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, like the only thing she's ever known is playing the cello. That's so sad. Yeah, so she started teaching, which is cons- like I think mixed results. Okay. Um, from that because like the playing through students was the only way she could like access music mm-hmm. and her relationship to it, but that was also like difficult. Yeah. And I'm guessing very unbearable. Yeah. So I know because kind of. Like, you know, Terry Pratchett, uh, yeah. when he was, because um, obviously he had Alzheimer's. Did he? I think I didn't he had. And his thing was like, he and he said, like, the moment that I cannot write anymore, yeah. um, I just don't want to live. And his last mm-hmm. book, he had to, it was written by him, like, sitting and speaking to his assistant, and his assistant would then type it. Oh, wow. And it's like, that's how then the, his last book was written. Oh, and wow. it is that kind of thing, like, I don't know that the thing that you are if you know what I mean like yeah you're still living and breathing if you know what mm-hmm. I mean but if but you have that debilitating illness define you, yeah. yeah then it's yeah. hard yeah mm-hmm. but then the end of her life was quite lonely she still saw her students and friends but her accomplishments and wealth mostly like isolated her mm-hmm. she instead of like 
going to hospitals and doctors for treatment she very much depended on her friends and a specific nurse called Ruth Cannings Mm -hmm. who she was like actively evangelical during Jacqueline's like decline okay and she was saying that if she just turned back to God she would be cured and the illness is a retribution for converting to Judaism and so then okay now I'm angry (laughs) yeah so then her mother her husband and her brother all became like born again Christians (gasps) what at the end of her life I kind of get that there is a sense of desperation there for me and I'm not like saying that religion is if you know what I mean but it Mm -hmm. it just I don't know it's very that feels very much like victim shaming Yes. But, like, a different kind of form of it. Yeah, definitely. But then her husband, like, during, like, her final years was doing, like, 100 concerts a year. And he did actually father two sons with a mistress while she was uh, declining. But apparently she didn't know about it. Okay. But Mm. he apparently still stayed, like, very devoted to her. By sleeping with a mistress and having two kids with them. I mean, in the sense that he would call her and visit her and come back to London just to see she's okay. Okay. Except that. But Don't you understand that like, there's a sense of, like, different kinds of loyalty? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, he didn't, he didn't leave her, if you know what I mean, because yeah. in, when she was declining. But also the fact that he was doing that. Yeah, it does, it's not good. It's not good, no. It doesn't make up for it. No. But during this time, her parents and siblings were very absent. That's so sad. And, like... A lot of people say her mother's distance was like heartache, yeah, and also of like disappointment. And oh, what? I'm not sure if this is just a very harsh reading someone has or or what, but it says it's that like she might have seen it as a failure on of return on her investment, which was her daughter. Yeah, <laughs> but like I, this is from an article. So I'm yeah, not gonna... no. is this all from um, the article? All like, the information. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just double check some stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when she did die, she was surrounded by her friends and her husband. Okay, good. But oh my gosh. Yeah. And like despite her very short career, she left behind like 46 albums. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. And she is very much like a feminist icon mm. for like female musicians. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And her insist- insistence of like flamboyant expression of like enjoyment and just playing mm-hmm. was is a big thing I suppose like, behind. you know women in the past have obviously been told to be very reserved and kind mm-hmm. of contained I suppose you can like translate that even to like yes. the music stage mm-hmm. that I don't know you sit sit up straight yeah blank expression so mm-hmm. but you know, music is something that I mean in my opinion anyway having not been able to play an instrument yeah. Um, is something that you want to dedicate, like, everything in you goes into yeah. it, so. Well, it's kind of like the way of, like, Western music mm-hmm. progressed was, like, you started with the Baroque, which was strict but very flowery. Yeah. And then you go, like, the classical, where everything is very strict and s- sort of simple. Yeah. And there's not much emotion in it. Mm-hmm. But then you get the romantics where they heavily emotional and heavily like big and, and yeah, loud yeah. and everything. I mean, it's interesting because like that's because I don't. What's like the shift in that? If you know what I mean, what was the kind of the general from classical to romantics? There was just like some crossovers, like because Beethoven, I think, is classed as he started out as classical, and then some of his very later stuff is more romantic. Is this because it's like you, you can kind of see that with like a generational shift in the yeah. way you know what I mean of mm-hmm. how anything how most generational kind of things have happened if you know what I mean the idea yeah. that you've got the very strict ancestors and then mm-hmm. it completely flips and yeah. you get it's like society the kids yeah, yeah. then you get the kids who I mean like look at the sixties you know what I mean mm-hmm. you had obviously the post war generation and then immediately afterwards you had flower power and yeah. down the atomic bomb and stuff yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so Jacqueline du- Dupre, mm-hmm. she died on October 19th, uh, 1987. So she was 42 oh. when she died. That's a long decline. Like. I know. 
But that's Jacqueline Dupre. I mean, thank you very much. I feel I'm going to have to take some time to recover. <laughs> and that time shall be the ad break. Yes. <laughs> like, thank you very much. We are Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Pline and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system or sharks digestive systems or how many priests are necessary for an exorcism or the guillotine or how much milk can fit in a shopping cart or how to cook dicks or what it means when your nose itches or penguins or why it's called Scotland Yard or proper body disposal or sentencing or how to make it through an entire episode without saying God. How big does a rock have to be to be a boulder? Or geography. Or whether stingrays have teeth. Or crime in Minnesota. Or how medical parole works. Or why people text their crimes to each other. Or the hierarchy of cops. Or what a paper grabber is. Anything about an Alfred plea. The security at Buckingham Palace. If warrants expire. How to start a fire. How much drugs cost. If ducks would make good guard animals. Whether priests have to tell the police about crimes they are aware of and maybe even involved in. Pink stun guns. How much is 11 pounds of cocaine worth? The mechanics of hanging. What happened to Carla Homolka after her release? How to make a car fly. The colonial parkway killer. Do swans migrate. Marital property laws in Florida. If horses can throw up. Do crocodiles hire me? What animals can get drunk? How do you get stuck in a window? Sharks live. International flight security. How do you typewriter into your prison cell? What you shouldn't bring to a robbery. But. We're still crazy for a good true crime story. If you don't know anything about these things either, you should come listen to Crime Crazy. Diana, do you have any advice for us? Yeah, you should subscribe to Crime Crazy. You can find us on iTunes or Google Play or Podbean or your podcast catcher of choice. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WordPress, Facebook, Gmail, or Facebook. Call your people. Yes, call your people. And don't end up on next week's episode. Okay, I just wanted to say, Michelle just threw her phone across the room. <laughs> it's because it makes a noise. Yeah, but you could have just put it on silent. You didn't need to throw it. Because I don't know how you put Apple phones on silent. It's does the like... little thing on the side not work? That does vibrate. Is that no silent option? There might be, but like, I always forget how to do it and then turn it back on again. Oh, okay, fair enough. So, I just leave it. So now if it vibrates, it's just going to vibrate across the room. I mean, I've dropped that phone four times last week on concrete, and it survived, so I think it will survive carpet. Fair enough. I did see one of them. It was quite dramatic. Do you have to bring up me falling over? (laughs) I just, I replay the image in my mind, and it's quite, quite funny. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) I say it because you weren't hurt, so. I was. Did you see my elbow? Yes, I did see your elbow, but that was all that happened, so... It's fine to say. Mm-hmm. So you said that you actually you want to guess who I'm doing? Yes, because you said it's a quite famous person. Yes, very, very famous. So yes, can you give me one clue and then I will guess? One clue. She sang in two different languages. Oh, not who I was expecting. Who were you thinking it was? I don't know, like someone like Taylor Swift or Beyonce or... No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I told you that this person is, it is dead. Piaf? <laughs> no, it's not Edith Piaf. Is it Julie... Is it French? Is she French? No. Um, Let me just tell you who it is. I'm guessing she's Spanish because... Yeah, she's Spanish. Well, she's American, but um, is like Mexican-American. Yeah, just tell me. It's Selena. Dion? No, that's Celine. Oh. <laughs> Celine? Yeah. What does she sing? What? Okay, right. Off we go. I thought that you were going to know who this was and it meant that, like, the ending... Because... So, so if our listeners know who Selena is... Yeah. Um, they're not gonna, Gomez. They're not... Not Gomez. Uh, Selena Gomez is named after this person. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This person is just called Selena. I mean, they do have, like, a surname, but you know how, like... Madonna. Rihanna is just called... You go new school. I mean, it's not new anymore, is it? Rihanna. I say Madonna. I like Madonna still performing. She was at Eurovision. Yeah, but wasn't she awful? Yeah, she was really, really bad. Okay, so Selena um, might pronounce uh, some of the names and some of the songs wrong. I feel like I might know when you, if you sing a song. I'm not going to sing. Or, like, say the name of it. Dreaming of You? Oh. Dreaming of You. No. Nope. But there is... um. Because you know how, because I was researching this um, a few days ago, you yes. know how I said I had to keep resisting the urge to sing one of the songs because you were not going to know who it is? Did she sing Celebration? No. Oh. I also didn't sing Celebration. <laughs> oh my God, it's the jungle one. The jungle one. In the jungle, the mic, no. No. 
you know what? I'm just going to start telling you about this person. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah. So Selena, um, uh, I think her name, her, her name is, her surnames are pronounced um, Quintanilla Perez, and she was born um, April sixteenth, nineteen seventy-seven, uh, in um, Lake Jackson in Texas. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, to uh, Marcia, Ophelia, uh, Quintanilla, uh, and Abraham Quintanilla Jr. Her dad and her uh, two siblings, which is Abraham the third and Suzette, her whole family was kind of into music, kind of like um, yours. There's a lot of crossover between yours and mine. Whilst you were reading it, I was like, this is very weird. Oh, wow. Um, so, uh, Selena and her two siblings, which is Abraham the third and Suzette, um, they all were into music. So, Abraham played guitar and Suzette played um, the drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then their dad would like manage them. Um, so oh. and they would all perform together. So Abraham, her dad, opened up a Tex-Mex re- restaurant in 1980. Ooh. And whilst it was open, um, Selena and her siblings, who who like their band was called Selena, Selena y, D- y Los Dinos, would all perform there. Oh wow! Um, uh, they played, and then they also played on like street corners and at weddings, quinceañeras, and at fairs. All very different locations, but okay. I mean, they're all kind of like... Um, I mean, a street corner compared to, like, a wedding. I feel like the street corner is the one that's very different. Like, because weddings and quinceañeras and fairs. I mean, fairs. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I guess so. But basically, just, like, a lot of things um, that they used to... Uh, to try and, like, raise awareness and money and things like that. Raise awareness of... Of themselves, like, build a brand. Oh, okay. Um... So um, her first language was English, but she was taught to sing in Spanish. Interesting. So she would listen to the songs phonetically, and then that's how she was taught Spanish. Oh, wow. Um, and then eventually she then knew Spanish, if you know what I mean, but mm-hmm. the singing came first. Um, but the the whole performing thing kind of got in the way of her schooling. Yeah. So um, her dad took her out of school where before she'd graduated oh well, like to d- 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 pray yeah yeah this is the thing i was like it's very weird um but obviously the school did not approve of this um mm. and i think they had to actually from what i can remember um the school tried to stop it happening and said that like if you do this it's going to completely wreck her for the rest of her life she needs to stay in school and doesn't need to be like consumed by the oh well. the music industry but they did it anyway um, and uh, she actually she got her diploma at seventeen, so mm. younger yeah. than um, usual, and ended up going to um, Pacific Western University at age seventeen. Oh wow! So it so she didn't did go day in education. Yeah, but like a personal, like homeschooling almost. Okay. If you know what yeah. I mean, rather than being in a formalised educational setting. So um, in nineteen eighty four. She recorded her first LP. Do you know what an LP is? Yes, I was just... I thought you said she was born in 77. 71. Oh, okay. Did I say 77? You might have said 77. That happens a lot. Because I, I was going to say, thing. she's, what, seven? <laughs> <laughs> you do such quick maths. <laughs> um, no, she's 13. 12. 13. Okay. Wait, born in 71. Oh, 84. Oh, this is 84. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so 13? 13, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, she recorded her first LP mm-hmm. um, with um, her siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wanted to sing in English, but um, she was uh, recording with like a label who produced, um, I think it's pronounced Tejano music. Mm-hmm which is like a folk, jazz, polka music okay. um, that was really kind of popular with like Mexican musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also in, though, an area that was really dominated by men. Shocking. Shocking, I know. Um, but was also like very Spanish dominated. I feel like we need like merch that's like... <laughs> Something, <laughs> something dominated by men. Shocking. <laughs> like I hate men. Yeah. Mm. But no, then that's like leads to. We don't. We don't advocate for men hating. Just like no. awareness for. What's that brand? That, that not brand. What's that? That branch of feminism that that is like. I don't know. Feminazi. Very... Yeah. Yeah. 
I think was that just a derogatory that's just like a derogatory term that's used against feminists oh which was ironic that it was like you would you would add Nazi onto the end of a word to make it seem like the worst thing and now we have actual Nazis and yet they're like oh the word isn't that bad it's like no it is a bad word <laughs> like yeah. you've used it to try and I'm about to go on a rant um mm-hmm. uh but yeah the the the, the area was also very Spanish based so she had to mm-hmm. speak in Spanish um to kind of was she of it. Spanish descent yes okay um sorry yes she was you might have mentioned it i might have forgot i don't know i feel like when i well when i read it i just kind of assumed and then her like name, her name yeah, yeah which I looking back now is probably not a, a good i don't know what renamed themselves that yeah yeah <laughs> that's what the slaves yes yeah. yeah we had this conversation on the podcast or yeah in, with madam cj walker yes we did um and then in 1987 she won that the same year no three years later she then won um f- uh, female vocalists vocalist of the year did she sing that song something come home that's kate bush isn't it <sighs> this is going so well i know <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, at the Tejano Music uh, Tejano Music Awards, and then for the consecutive nine years. Oh wow! So, like, so that that was age sixteen, and was. So she's twenty-five. What? No, she's sixteen. Oh, and then finish it when she's twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah, but then, what was? That? Is she in the twenty-seven club? No. Oh. Um. Uh, but um, she was still being told at this time despite having won this award for nine consecutive years she was still being told that she would never succeed in the genre because it's dominated by men oh my goodness yeah so in uh, 1989 uh, she released her debut solo album which was just called Selena was born I feel like you mentioned that a lot. It's like a really important year for you. <laughs> it's just like that market. Don't you have like things where specific years? I have a list on my phone that specific years of of when things like, happened. Yeah, I mean, like six. I think it's sixty six is the year of the questioning. Because it's, it's also the year we won the World Cup. Yeah, but I don't. Um, <laughs> no, it's just because there's like loads of films that like what happened to Virginia Woolf and question in the title of films. Is why. Oh, see, I assumed that I was just being a bit meh and just didn't know what the questioning was. Oh no, no, it's a I term it you've up. coined. Okay, good. That makes me feel a lot better about like not knowing what it things. means. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the songs on the album was called. I'm going to get this wrong. I do apologise. Uh, Sukiya Sukiyaki, which was. Oh. Okay. You look very confused. <laughs> No, because it just sounds like Japanese. It is Japanese. Oh. So it was a cover of a Japanese song from 1960 um, that then she re-sang in Spanish. Oh, cool. And then it went like straight to uh, into the US Billboard Mexican charts. Whoa. So like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then that year she so also... it was like the Despacito of the time. <laughs> I am joking. <laughs> good. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that year she also became a spokesperson for Coca-Cola. Oh, wow. Um, so she sang jingles with her brother. Um, Did she sing the one about the world? The world? Unite the world. Something about the world together? No. Because that's the, the, the Coke song. I feel like that's pretty new. I thought it was from the 60s. Well, this is... Wait, 70... Teach the uh, world this to is 90, sing! No, 89. This is 89. Yeah, but, like, they still had it then. They're very slow with branding. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Um, they said they wrote two. I say this like I was there. I, I know! <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days when the new Coca-Cola jingle came out. I need to check when Coca Coca Cola actually came out. 
whilst you carry on your story. Uh, So she sang jingles with her brother and Chris Perez, who was a new guitarist um, that the 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 kind of like the group had hired. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Chris had feelings for Selena. So he had to leave because he still had a girlfriend in Antonio, San Antonio. So he was like, I have to go because uh, my feelings are forbidden. However, he felt he found that the distance was impossible. And so he came back. He declared his feelings for her. She did to him in a pizza hut. Don't know why that's relevant, but it was on the page. Oh my goodness. I see it in a telenovela. Honestly, yeah. Can you imagine I thought you were going to say that there is actually a telenovela. (laughs) She was in them. Even better. I know. Um, however, they had to hide their relationship. Forbidden oh, love. No. I know. All the tropes. Sexy. I know, right. <laughs> because they feared that her dad would try to break them up. Goddamn parents. I know. I don't like when they interrupt with your love life. <laughs> it's just not very nice, is it? <laughs> um... She released her second album in 1990 that was called Ven Conmigo, and then her third in 1991 called Nada Si Compra Contigo. Mm-hmm. That sounded like I knew what I was saying, didn't it? Yeah, I thought you were saying it expectantly, like that would strike a chord and I'd suddenly know who she was. <laughs> um, no, I'm just quite impressed myself that I managed to say oh, that. Congratulations. Um, I also think I missed it. But um, no one, they might. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, people probably would. Uh, so around this time as well, she kind of obviously started building up kind of like a fan base. Um, and there was a nurse called um, Yolanda Sildevar who got in touch with... Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, does this still relate to Jacqueline Dupre in like the nurse? No, 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 oh. no. No. <laughs> <laughs> but remember the nurse. Okay. Because she comes up later. Or is she the murderer? I'm not going to say anything. The murderer. That usually means yes. Um, it doesn't. I say it when it means no. I say it when it means yes. It's just because I'm really good at predicting plot. <laughs> so uh, the nurse wanted to start up a fan club, so got in touch with Selena's dad. That's very strange. And cause... asked to start one. Because you, you wouldn't even think of that now. No, usually you just do it. Because you wouldn't call up, like, Taylor Swift's dad and like, hello, Mr. Swift. Um, can we start a fan club for you? Want you to become a Swifty? Is that what they're called? I think so. Swiftons. Swift. I think Swift Toes is a good one. Swift Toes. That sounds like a crisp. It's like a mint, like a mento. Oh, like a yeah. Swift Toes. Swift Toes. Mints by Taylor Swift. I mean. <laughs> I mean, she could go in that market. Yeah. I miss when, like, celebrities used to be in food. In food? <laughs> you mean, like, when they used to bring out, in like... branding. Shrek Dunkers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why don't they do that anymore? I think they still do. I just don't see it. Well, wasn't there that Kardashian who was advertising Coca-Cola for a while? Were they? Until she got in a lot of trouble. I just thought they were the lollipops that make you stop having food cravings oh, and yeah. very toxic I don't think I would classify that as food branding I classify that as anti-food branding or you know uh, or like eating disorder eating triggering disorder branding yeah uh, yeah issue branding yes um, dad isn't that most branding yeah, yeah. We, might, we should probably stop going on so many tangents yeah um, yeah Okay, continue. Uh, so the dad was all for the idea, thinking that it would, it would bring her exposure. Mm. Um, so in the year, so then moving on again. What a weird world before the internet. I know. Where you could just call Letters. someone up. <laughs> yeah. And be like, I want to be a fan of your daughter, please. <laughs> please. Um, but it was, she wanted to set up like a proper fan club. Like people would. I'll make some... I think pay I used her... to be a member of the Miley Cyrus fan club. When she was still doing Hannah Montana. I had her autobiography. I did. It was like the first autobiography I ever read. And I thought it was amazing. And then looking back. Yeah. Yeah. And I read Keith Lemons, which was the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. (laughs) Yikes. I mean, he's not going to listen to this. Fair enough. Um, 
1992, um, her sister found out about the relationship between her and Chris, and so told her dad immediately, which, like, come on, some sibling kind of loyalty. Why, Why is just siblings so jealous of their successful other siblings? Know. So, Abraham... You better not do this with Amy. I won't do this with Amy. Good. Um, she better not do it with me. Um... <laughs> So, I like how you're assuming Amy's going to be the more <laughs> successful one. Well, yeah, she's Spanish. I feel that... <laughs> That's an inside joke that no one's <laughs> going to care. We can leave it. Um, then we'll know if she listens to the podcast. You are. Then we'll know if she listens to the podcast. They do listen. Well, I would double know. Okay. Um, so, Abraham took... So, Selena's dad, Abraham, took um, Chris off, uh, off the bus tour... Like was like no, it's just like right no off more. the bus, me. <laughs> yeah, it's in the middle of nowhere. Get off, uh, and told him that the relationship was over. Oh goodness! But they continued their relationship. Of course they did. Who listens to their parents? Um, I say this. Well, I need to parents, stop talking. Her mother did like him. Yeah, Freud. Um, but Abraham told Selena that Chris was a and quote cancer in my family, and that he would disband the group if they continued. And then fired Chris from the band. Well, I would have fired him from being a father. Well, she kind of went one step above and just married Chris. <laughs> thinking better. that it would force her dad to accept him. It's probably easier than emancipation, I guess. Well, also, her dad's her, like, manager. He's a dadager. Okay. Um, no, like a momager. No. I don't know what that means. You, uh, it's, it's probably a good thing because it's from the Kardashians. Okay, yeah. I'm not a follower of the Kardashians like you are. I'm not quite I'm dedicated not a to follower. Them. I just watch just it when know I'm sad. A great deal about them. Um, but obviously, it didn't help. Uh, and Abraham didn't come around to the idea of the relationship. And he actually like separated himself from the family for a long time because of it. I feel like that's just very petty. Yeah, it gets pettier. Um, he also used to go on to interviews on the TV and just slander mm. Chris's name. Why would... And then came back and apologised. Okay. I thought you were going to say he had an affair with the nurse. No! <laughs> I'm trying to turn it into a telenovela. <laughs> and if anyone does, I want copyright. Okay. Um, so her... Uh, uh, her fourth album... We're on number four now? Yeah. Yeah. Her fourth album... No, I think this is her third. I've mistyped. Her next um, album. Her next album in 1992, which is Entre Ami... I mean... Entre Mundo, uh, stayed at number one position in the Billboard chart for 19 weeks. Impressive. Um, and was the first Tejano album by a female artist to sell over 300,000 copies. That doesn't seem like much today, but it is an achievement. Yeah, it's, it's 1992. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't around then to know okay. the statistics. Um, but I'm pretty sure there was a billion people around. In... Yeah, okay. Um, she had interviews with a Mexican press who disapproved of Tejano music at the time and said, and called it um, Hayseed Poncho music. Um, Haiti. Hayseed. Oh. Hayseed poncho music. I think oh, that okay. means like. So I know what, what poncho means, but I don't know what hayseed means. I think it's like country white people. Mm. White, white Spanish people. Makes me sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, but despite her limited Spanish, uh, she actually won them over. And they found her refreshing from the fair skinned telenovela actors at the time. So, and then she was um, also being hired and she was uh, doing cameos in different telenovelas, most um, notably one that's called Dos Mujeres Un Camino, mm -hmm. which I don't know what that means. I know it means two women and a something, but I don't know what Camino Dog. means. That's not what Camino means. And a concubine. Yeah. <laughs> and then in 1993, she released um, an album called Live that was basically... Live. Yeah, it was like a live from her tours and the album won her a Grammy. Whoa. Yeah. Good for her. And um, it was actually a recording of a free concert that she'd done to um, raise money for 
a charity, but it didn't say which. Oh. Um, I hope it's a good one. <laughs> I assume it was. Um, in 94, she then also started her own clothing line that was called Selena, etc. And there were two stores, one in uh, Corpus Christi and one in San Antonio. And they did have plans to expand to Monterrey, Mexico and Puerto Rico. Um, and then uh, Saldivar, who was the nurse, mm-hmm. um, was actually managing both of the shops. Oh, okay. Um, and the shops uh, collectively earned her two million and then helped rank her as amongst the 20 wealthiest Hispanic musicians. Wait, the nurse or Selena? Uh, Selena. Okay. Um, in 1994. Whoa. Yeah. I think she's surpassed the 27 club. No. She hasn't. Not yet. She's 23 at the moment. Uh, 23 at the moment. Ooh. <laughs> Still time. She uh, released Amor Prohibito. Prohibito. I feel like I've heard of that one. In 94. That's an album. Um, And that earned her her second Grammy nomination. Um, And she became known as the Queen of Tejano Music. And in uh, 2017, um, that um, album was even listed uh, as number 19 on the list of 150 greatest albums by women. Oh, wow. Of all time. That's amazing. I know. So she wanted to now move into like English-speaking audiences, mm-hmm. um, and even appeared in a film with um, Marlon Brando Which and one? Johnny Depp that was called Don Juan De Marco. Okay. Have you seen it? No. No. <laughs> but I'm thinking the time there was when I'm not sure if it was when Brando was just doing really bad films, but. Johnny Savage. <laughs> he was. He was like, there's a clip of him and he's just trying to be Jesus. And he's just like, I realise we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Michelle just did an impression of Jesus. It was fantastic. And <laughs> um, yeah, he, it wasn't great, to be honest. No. But you know, he made a comeback with uh, The Godfather, which was two decades before this, but I don't. I should stop talking. Carry okay, on. Okay, I'll carry on. And then in 1994, uh, so the same year, the boutique, the shops ended up suffering quite oh, a bit. No. Um, and Saldivar would like dismiss employees that she just didn't like, that oh, she like, didn't no. get on with. So she Did just... she start embezzling money? Will you stop guessing things? So the employees went to um, Selena's dad, mm-hmm. Abraham. Um, but because of like his history He's with like Chris, that Selena just disregarded him and was like, "Well, you don't like anybody, so she's mm. fine." Um, so um, and then a lot of people started getting in touch, saying that like they paid membership to the fan club and then they got nothing in return. Oh, so they an investigation was launched and she'd been embezzling money. Do you want to make a guess as to how much money? Two million. Okay, no, not. You have to guess a bit low. You have to guess lower. So oh. when I say a higher number, it sounds more impressive. I'm sorry. Five hundred thousand. Okay, it's thirty thousand. Oh. <laughs> um. Shocking. I'm sure that's a lot of money for the time. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it is. Do you have thirty thousand? Of course not. I'm in debt. <laughs> Aren't we all? Um, they threatened to involve the police and banned her from having contact from Selena anymore. I mean, that's good. Yeah. But she's not imprisoned or anything? No, they just threatened to involve the police. Oh, did she give the money back? Well, they were, they still, she still had like her name on um, like tax forms and things. That, so they're still having to like go through it with her, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Saldivar actually met Selena in a hotel room where Selena like demanded to see like financial records and tax forms, etc., etc. Saldivar took out a gun and shot her in the shoulder. Selena? Saldivar shot Selena. Wait, that's the nurse? Yeah. To death? Um, She died from blood loss and cardiac arrest in the hospital. Wait, how old was she? 23. She's in the 23 club! I shouldn't be excited about that. No! No! What? I said, don't be excited about it. It's it's really, really bad. I was trying to find more people other than River Phoenix the other day and I couldn't find anyone. I saw her face. 
and I didn't know who she was, so I just skipped it. Okay, now be sad. Okay, I'm very sad. That Thank was tragic. You. Thank you. What an awful nurse. Thank Yeah. Nurses um, basically are just terrible. Is the message we've got from today? No. Oh, from t- yeah, we haven't had a, a good share of them today. Okay, I feel like we need to now do a nurses episode. <laughs> yeah, just to make up Florence Nightingale. Also problematic. Was she? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, very racist. Was she? Yeah. Oh, I thought she was a little gem. No. I I remember she was like the first person I ever wrote a paper on. Really? Yeah. I think mine was Gandhi. Nice. Yeah. I can see if you saw like, no, I realised the uh, <laughs> the irony. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the irony being that for, for yeah, listeners, um, I my nickname for my grandpa is Gandhi. Mm-hmm. But um, for a completely other reason. Um, mm. But also, yeah, I don't like the original Gandhi. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um, so, she was murdered on March 31st, 1995. And then the next day, a vigil drew 3,000 fans. Oh. Um, and at her funeral, which was open casket, um, up to 40,000 fans passed. Oh my goodness. And um, 78,000 signed a book of condolence. Whoa. Yeah. And then, so obviously she'd like still been recording music when she was m- murdered. Um, when Dreaming of You was released in the July after her death, it sold 175,000 copies in the first day. Whoa. And then... I mean, that's always the best way to sell an album. Die. No. <laughs> it is. Happened with David Bow- Bow- Bowie. Bowie. Well, he'd always released his album and then he died. Yeah. Then yeah. it shot up. Yeah. But I don't think that's a good business idea. Like a good business. No. No. I mean, just never take my advice, really. Okay, cool. Yeah, okay. I mean, I say that, and I, I yell at people who don't listen to me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and that was um, a record uh, oh, for a female whoa. singer. And then it saw 331,000 copies that week, which is the third uh, female singer to ever get over 300,000 after Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey. Oh, whoa. Um, and then, so, like, as soon as she died, like, within that year, um, film companies started planning the film. Of course they did. About her. And um, Jennifer Lopez, uh, no, somebody else was up for the role originally, and I cannot remember who it was. Um, I think it was, like, Summer Hayek or something. Oh, I love her. Me too. She's lovely. Um... But she refused to do it because she felt it was too early. Yeah. Um, and then the role went to Jennifer Lopez. Mm. But then there was a lot of scrutiny as well because Jennifer Lopez isn't Mexican. Ah. So Is she Latina? Yeah, yeah, I think she's from Puerto Rico. Oh, okay. Because um, she sang on the... Um, you know that um, charity song that was released? No. Um, after the hurricane. There's been many hurricanes. No, no, the, um... Oh, my gosh, I forgot the name The Puerto Rican one. Yeah. No, I didn't. Oh. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Wait, the one that's about Hamilton and Dear Van Hansen? No! She's not in that. No, I know she's not. Wait there, one sec. I haven't listened to it. I haven't even heard about it, to be honest. I don't keep up to date with music. <laughs> Like, I just find, like, weird artists I like, and then stick with that, and then Spotify will recommend me one little gem every few months. Um, Almost Like Praying was the song. Never heard of it. What? Um, And it was recorded by um, artists from, and um, also, like, for uh, Puerto Rico after the hurricane happened. Um, and loads and loads of people singing it. Even um, like uh, Gina Rodriguez sings on it. Oh, wow. And um, oh my gosh, what is her name? Rita Moreno Ooh. sings on it. Loads um, of people. Oh, wait, is that because Lin Manuel Miranda is doing Hamilton in Puerto Rico? Is it like the funds from that are going to support or something like that? Did I dream that? 
I don't know. I think you dreamt that. <laughs> anyway, um, but then the film actually came out in 1997. Um, and... Hey, what's it called? Selena. No, I haven't seen it. Um, and it did very, very well. And it actually had the largest art, uh, audition since... Um... Scarlett O'Hara? Yeah. How'd you guess? Because that was a big thing. Big, big thing, Hollywood, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this actually um, beat that. Oh, wow. Um, and that was... That was her. She did a lot of other work during her life, but there wasn't uh, for like charities, but it wasn't documented, if you know what I mean. Oh, there wasn't okay. like this big thing that she did other than the the free concert that she'd done. Mm-hmm. But she was always like an advocate um, for uh, encouraging her fans to speak out about things. She w- did a lot of work with um, domestic violence victims, oh, uh, no. Did a, like planned a lot of fundraising for AIDS patients, uh, hosted baseball games to raise money for charity and went to um, Florida after Hurricane Andrew to help people there as well. But there wasn't like many like specific yeah. things that were like down that I could have, have fit in. But yeah, and that's, you know, did you know her? No. No. Um, I mean, it's been a, a sad day. <laughs> yeah, I, Just, I um, didn't realize until like you'd done your research and then you went, this one's very sad. And I was like, oh my God, mine's really sad too. Yeah, I mean, sad days happen. Yeah. And they are great women anyway. They're brilliant women. Yes. Please listen to Algar. And please listen to By Jacqueline Dupre. Yeah. I just want to say Dupre and it's Dupre. Um, yeah, listen to Selena. Because my favourite song by her, and I think it's called Biddy Biddy Bum Bum. Okay. Um, which is the one I have to stop myself from singing. I'm now looking it up because I feel like it might not have been called that. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Bidi bidi bum. Listen to that too. It's a great piece. Um, but yeah, and thank you. Have you got uh, a thing this week that you would like to share created by women? I don't know if we've mentioned it, that you want to, every episode kind of say yes. something that has been created by women that we have enjoyed so have you got one yeah. for this week well i did last week so you, you should have i've got to do one for this week yeah Ooh, something i've read recently or watched recently that i really really enjoyed made by a woman what i really liked i recently because uh, you lent it to me the book um called living danishly oh yeah the, the year of living danishly and i absolutely it's a it. really good book. Yeah. She's got I think she's got some sequels. Does she? Well. But I'm not sure if they're about that or Or they're just like general Yeah, because I made my friend read it as well. Shout out to Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and she loved it as well. And she's like, Yeah, there's other books. I'm like, Whoa, I need to read them. Because like the general writing style as well is just like it's very funny. Yeah. Um with like a nice educational tone to it, if you know what I mean. It mm-hmm. wasn't too boring. So yeah, yeah. that's mine this week is The Year of Living Danishly by Helen Russell. Mm. So, yes. Cool. Thank you very much. Yep, thank you for listening. Yes. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.